This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Welcome back to Life Made Better, the podcast where we interview interesting people that not only inspire us, but so that we can find out how they made their life better and how we can learn from their story and challenges. And today we have the lovely Lucia Paredes, as you know, my amazing business partner and podcast host. She is in the hot seat today. We've decided because although we run this podcast every single week and you hear snippets about our life, you've never really got to know us. So Lucia, Welcome. How does it feel to be in the hot seat? God, Flair, I'm feeling you from last week. I'm, I'm definitely feeling the hot seat. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's so much easier interviewing other people. It was it? so much easier interviewing you. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> so, Lucia, you are known to everybody as this lovely, positive bundle of energy nothing is too much of a problem for you you always want to help everybody and you always do it with a smile on your face which is not an easy feat so tell us more about how you became this amazing zealous person (laughs) well thank you for that intro I'm not sure I can live up to that but thank you that is very much appreciated you know what it's funny because I've always been described as that, you know, generally positive, optimistic, happy person. And so I sometimes wonder whether, you know, what was first, the egg or or the chicken, right? Like, are you naturally a happy person or are you working to be a happy person? And I think the answer is both. I don't share this with with many people, but those who are close to me and know me well know that I actually didn't have the the happiest upbringing. I remember myself being a happy child, but uh, you know I lost my father when I was only three months old. So I was raised by my mom, my aunt, my grandma, and that to me kind of felt normal, right? Because I didn't know. I didn't know anything else. And I guess I got this vivid memory when I was at school and it was Father's Day and, you know, everybody had to write this letter describing their fathers. And I just described my mom, which she and I always have a laugh, saying like, my father is my mom. She doesn't have a beard. (laughs) So I kind of like went by the book. But I guess that that probably was one of the first moments that I actually realized that my family unit was not like the rest of families or was perceived as a normal family. But I never sort of doubted or lacked that sort of loving and affection and care. I also grew up to see my mom being that strong woman because she became what is also called the man in the house. So I would see her running the house, doing the financials, fixing the things, whilst still being that loving and caring and nurturing person, looking after everybody, being at home, you know, from 3 p.m. when I was uh, back from school and helping me. So I guess her view of the world really helped me shape the view of the world back in that day. 
Now, a couple of other events also, I guess, defined the way I saw the world. I've mentioned that I, I was raised by my auntie. She was sort of my best friend when I was growing up. Unfortunately, she became ill when I was young. I must have been maybe six years old or so, which was also the time where my grand, my grandma died. But my auntie became sick. She was in a coma and she woke up from that coma, kind of like being a, more of a child than I was. So she was, you know, she was bipolar. She faced depression and she struggled with that throughout her life. And that to me was hard, especially when I was a teenager, because I didn't have the tools to comprehend how my best friend, my playmate, the woman that was running with me in the hallway was all of a sudden this person that will will not be able to pull herself out of bed, who would say not lovely things to me. And I didn't have the tools to to manage and process all that. Obviously, when you grow a little bit older, you start to understand that that is not her, it's the sickness. But still, it was always challenging for me to appreciate what was the person and what was the illness. And one of my biggest regrets in life was actually that I didn't tell her how much I loved her and appreciate her. She died in my arms when I was 20 years old. I did tell her right before she passed how much I loved her. And that was one of the cornerstones for me too, because that taught me a very valuable lesson of do not let a day go by where you're not appreciating what you've got, when you're not telling the people that you've got around them that you love them, when you're not seeing their faces, like really seeing it and appreciating that they are in your life. And I think that also taught me that happiness is lived in the very little moments because even though that moment of her passing was a deeply sad moment for me, it brought me happiness because I know that as she was living this world, she knew that I loved her. And so for me, that was a big cornerstone. And the other learning from me was from another auntie. She was my, uh, my godmother. She had struggled with cancer throughout her life too. And she eventually became an alcoholic to deal with, you know, with the sickness. So in a similar way, it was a similar story. Like she was this loving, nurturing woman. But when she was under the effects of, of alcohol and the substance, she became not so lovely, let's just say. So I got used to her calling like at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night to tell me either how lovely it was or how fucked up, if that can be say, it was. And how much of a terrible person I was and then back to square one the day after and and you know she died as well just a couple of years after Blanca the one I just talked about died and I remember that phone call because you know to me and my mom it was like a regular Monday morning where you know somebody would call and say like hey Carmen has been found doing x y and said can you come and pick it up and, and deal with the mess that she left behind after a night work alcohol went out of hand. And I do remember I was working at Disney Spain back in that day, a couple of days after my birthday. And I received a call from my mom saying, hey, it seems as though Carmen has has died. So I'm going to have to go to her apartment. And I said, okay, I'm coming with you. 
And, you know, we showed up in that house and it was a bit like CSI, if I can tell you the truth. We showed up in there. She was covered in blankets in the middle of her living room. And I had to deal with that. Now I'm sharing this because the learning I got from that is that my poor auntie was living a life that was not true to her. She was a woman of really deep faith that never got to to leave by that. She would have made a gorgeous, wonderful nun, but she was pulled away of that path by something different. She was lesbian, but obviously because of religion and because of the culture that we were grown living in, she never really got to accept that and accept herself. She was living with her partner and obviously neither one, neither of those were able to cope with that, which is why they both were, you know, became alcoholic to deal with that. And that taught me to really accept who you are and really hold the fort and, and really be kind and accepting of who you are, who you love, what you believe, and do not let anybody else kind of run your show because when that happens, then tragic things end that happening. So I think those were my three biggest learnings and my three biggest points of how I came to see the world today and why I still see it as a happy place because there's still so much love, there's still so much happiness, so many moments of beauty around you if you choose to see it. Wow, Lucia, I mean, I've known you a long time and I didn't know the depths of tragedy (laughs) that you'd had in your, you know, formative years and the fact that you are the most positive person that I know and I think I'm positive and and you go some more. (laughs) Uh, To hear that you've gone through so much and you still chose to be happy and in the fact that you are a happiness coach is incredibly humbling and in you know incredibly powerful because like you've always said to me it is a choice and you do choose to be happy and you say we're all born happy life gets in the way and I think you're right but it you know to be able to take those learnings and not blame life or society is is huge so and and even sharing that with other people and getting them to realize that we can choose to look at the beauty instead of the suffering. And I think it's in the Indian philosophy, they say there's only two states. Like it's a beautiful life or it's a suffering life and we have to, you know, make choices. So thank you for being so vulnerable and open and honest. And you've never said any of those things on the podcast. And we've been on the podcast for two years. (laughs) You've kept your story very firmly. Ready for when it was ready, I'm sure. So now you're on this journey. I know that you work four days a week for Universal as a a global manager. You've won loads of awards, but you're still your your love and your passion. Obviously, now I'm thinking about it coming from a lot of this tragedy is to help people become happy. And you love this with, with real passion. You know, you could be texting me at 10 six in the morning (laughs) about what we're going to do next and how we're going to make a difference and you know I love that I love that zest but I'm sure there is times when you lack energy lack enthusiasm and for our listeners I think it'd be really good to hear how do you when you're in those moments get yourself through to back to this kind of positive mindset 
Oh man, and, and oh boy, are there not plenty of those that are. <laughs> and I think that's the other thing. People think that just because you're a happy person and you're smiling, you just don't have bad moments, right? And I do it. And the one thing I say is that happiness is not all day, every day, right? The same way as you don't experience anger or sadness all day, happiness is the same, but you can find these moments hidden in the day and there are plenty if you can, if you want to look out for them. So that's kind of how I do it. Whenever I'm having a doubt moment, a moment of doubt, whenever I'm having a day where I'm like, I just had enough, I just want to go to bed and forget that this day existed, (laughs) I sort of force myself to look for those. And I sometimes ask myself this question and I do it out loud is, okay, how am I going to be able to better help myself? What is the thing that can help me to either move forward or am I choosing to stay stuck? Now, the way I see it, the one that is going to help me move forward is going to help me better. Sometimes that moving forward is doing something I actually don't want to do, <laughs> but that gives me the strength to do it. And sometimes moving forward is the thing that I am more willing to do, which, you know, is a bonus and I go for it. But I think, you know, is always asking what is going to help me move forward and make things better. And whether I like the answer or not, I go with it. And the other thing I'd say, and I was listening to a podcast this morning, actually, with Simon Sinek, is looking back at your past and honoring those within your past. And I think that's something important for me as well, is like you didn't go through all of this on your own. You've had the help of many, your family, your friends. You cannot let them down now. This is team effort. You're not doing it just for yourself. You're doing it for everybody. And that is the truth. And I apply it to myself saying, okay, if I want to be of help to my family, my friends, my clients, am I going to be able to do it if I am at this low point or if I am at least at the better that I can be today? And the answer is the latter. So I just ask myself, okay, what can we do to make that better? Yeah, and I think that's great, isn't it? It's, it's honouring and all those people that have come before us, the women that have come before us, there wasn't this choice before. And we do have so much choice now about what we can pursue. I mean, five years ago, we just finished, uh, or four, we're not sure. <laughs> we, we finished our coaching course. And did we expect to be doing the things we're doing now? No, I mean, we, we've got our own podcast. We're, you know, top 20 in some countries. We've done empowerment workshops for Universal, for Netflix. We've got our own six-week course. And if we didn't have that daily, just keep going, keep trying, keep believing, it just wouldn't have happened. I think the best thing that we took, what both of us did is join in together because double passion <laughs> is really helpful. So when we're having a down day, the other one's having an up day or a down moment, or you know, the other one is uh, still pushing forward. And I do think one thing that you are also really good at is connecting to others and not judging. And where do you think that come from, that real belief not, not to judge others? I mean, I've never heard you say a bad word about anybody. Where, where does that come from? I think part of it comes from my mum, actually. 
Because she's always been this person where she's always been willing to help others and being very generous. But also she did what I really appreciate of her. She always spoke about my dad from a very grateful point. Like she will always tell me the stories and how he did X, Y, and Z or connect me with his friends so I could learn the story. And I think that helped me sort of see that everybody is walking their own path. And if I haven't walked the path in their shoes, I can't get to say whether it's right or wrong. Everybody is, you know, doing life the best that they can. I'm just either a witness of that path or I can get to be a helping hand in there. But it's not my place to say whether what they're doing is right or wrong. Everybody's doing it as they can. Mm, it's a beautiful point but also you do I know that you choose happiness but you do have this really good upbeat natural energy and I know you you didn't used to be into your health and fitness and now you added that to the mix so do you think you (laughs) do you think that energy is from our why do you think energy is from how we look after ourselves do you think it's who we naturally are what's what what have you learned well what I've learned is that it's a combination of everything because as you say yes I am naturally a positive person and I can't take all the credit for that if you know what I mean like I guess it's part of my belief system my values that I am just that naturally inclined if I can get to see the good I will get to see it nine times out of ten but I also know and and as I said this is you know, thanks to you very hugely, (laughs) is that if I don't nurture myself, if I don't feed myself and do the things that are good for me, I am not going to be able to continue this upbeat Lucia that everybody sees. So for example, exercising is one of the things that I used to do it, to be honest. I stopped doing it when I got pregnant. So that was like, what, maybe five, six years (laughs) And in the last year, thanks to COVID and and your support, I started taking up exercise again. And I I sort of rediscover how good I feel when I'm doing it and the energy that this gives me. And, you know, counterintuitive because I always thought, well, if I'm feeling tired, exercising or doing a workout is not going to be the best thing. But actually it is even if it's like a five minute, 10 minute or half an hour, depending on how I'm feeling on the day. But that really does help me bring the energy up. It helps me clear my head because I'm just focusing on exercising. So naturally, all the conundrums, dilemmas, challenges, problems start taking shape and I'm able to sort of come up with a different take, a different view or a solution to it. So I would say is nature and nurture is both of those. And mm. also curious to know, actually, how you became to come into coaching, because I know you're super creative and super passionate about being a creative as well. What brought you to the coaching world? Well, this is a sort of funny one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in a way, I like saying that I I think I've always been that sort of coaching figure because I've, I naturally was the person that people would come to and ask for advice, even though I wasn't even giving advice, but just being able to 
open their hearts and knowing that I was just listening helped them. I think I shared uh, here on a podcast once that I was bullied and you know, as a result of that, I decided to take a break and I went backpacking and, you know, went to several parts of the world. And through that particular time, I was able to really connect with myself and start asking myself questions like, what do you want to do? What are you good at? What do you like doing? And helping others was always part of the equation. Now, when I came back from traveling, I found a job in London almost a decade ago. And then a few years later down that line, I became pregnant. And when I was, you know, with that tiny baby in my belly, which filled me with joy, but I also freaked out. And I was like, oh my God, what sort of parent am I going to be? Am I going to be a good one? What if I mess up? How do you treat people? Am I going to be able to support her? And one of the things I found out in forums and so on was that coaching seemed to be one way where people were finding sort of a safe place to to explore and, and question. And so I went and hired a coach for myself, which also did the course. And I think that that really did it for me because after that first session, I felt so good, so transformed and so, so alive that I thought if I am feeling this way, I cannot possibly keep this quiet and not help others feel the same way and face the challenges and, and dilemmas. So I guess that's a, that's a long answer for the how I came to do this. <laughs> I think like, like me, we all come to it, don't we, when we are at a time when we're finding it difficult and the fact that becoming a parent is a huge responsibility. So it doesn't surprise me at that time that you went to a coach and explored more about who you are and who you wanted to be. So it was good that you went to that coach <laughs> because then you became a coach and I met you. So happy days. I always say one of the best things to come out of the course was meeting Lucia. hundred percent. Not meeting Lucia, meeting you, I meant. <laughs> <laughs> because we got to get that spark together. So Lucia, as we ask everybody that comes on our podcast, how have you made your life better? I think I made it by honoring who I am and accepting that I'm flawed, that I'm not perfect, that I make mistakes and coming to love those mistakes and appreciating that without them, I wouldn't be able to develop and progress. And because I face them, I'm also holding that safe space for others to know that they can come to me and not needing to be perfect because I don't want everybody to be perfect. Make mistakes, be imperfect, be flawed, <laughs> live the lie. That's what it's here for. Yeah, I love that. Just be you. And I, I've been coached by you and I know everybody's in safe hands if they get your coaching because you're kind, you're caring, but you're also, you know, insightful and knowledgeable and that combination is very powerful so thank oh, that you means the world. that means the world Flair. thank you <laughs> thank you for joining us today <laughs> <laughs> thank you for our guests for joining us for one more week please do subscribe because that allows us to keep sharing this free content we really do appreciate it and we look forward to seeing you next week in the meantime stay well 
Stay safe and stay inspired. Much love.